0: Welcome to the e-commerce marketing society podcast, a podcast for women who want to grow their online store or e-commerce brand by improving their marketing. I'm your host, Lisa Byrne, an e-commerce marketing coach for women with 20 years of marketing experience under my belt. I help women increase sales and decrease stress by helping them focus on the right things instead of doing all the things. As well as hearing from me, I gather my favorite women in e-commerce to share their stories of growth and expertise because we all know it takes a village to grow a successful business. Welcome to the society. Let's get focused and have some fun. Hey, guys. Welcome to Episode 23. Today I'm chatting to Reese Spikerman. She is a website conversion optimization expert And she helps women increase their website's revenue by optimising their customers' online buying experience. Now, we have a very far-ranging chat today, all from copywriting to landing pages to keeping your website customer experience front and centre. And I think you'll pick up a ton of juicy tricks and tips and nuggets of wisdom in this chat today. And today's chat is brought to you by Ecom Grow Strong, which is my 10-week e-commerce marketing course, which also has weekly live coaching calls with me, daily support in a private Facebook group, and eight modules of foundational e-commerce marketing learning, which you will have lifetime access to. Now, I'm almost finished the current round one course, Student Intake, and the reviews and feedback is so fantastic. And I can't wait to share it with everybody else very, very soon. So that opens up for enrollment again in July. And if you are on the wait list for that next enrollment, you will get access to bonuses and discounts that nobody else will. So I want you to put your name and your email address down if you're keen to find out more about it because I will be capping numbers again. So I think I'll probably take in about 40 women this time. So it keeps it nice and small and everybody's questions gets answered every single week, every single day. So go to lisaburn.com.au, pop your email onto the waitlist and you'll be hearing from me very, very soon. Now, let's get stuck into this chat with Reese Spikerman. Welcome, Reese, to the podcast. So lovely to have you.
1: Thank you so much, Lisa. It is an absolute pleasure to be here. And I'm so excited for our conversation that we're going to have today.
0: Yay. I love speaking to experts, especially clever female experts. And you're coming to us all the way from Michigan. Yes.
1: Yeah. I'm a little bit of a distance from you. I think it's a good twenty-four hour or so plane ride, don't you? <laughs>
0: I reckon, yeah. It, plus plus the rest. It's been so long since we've been able to travel overseas. And I guess same for you guys. Or are you are you traveling at the moment at
1: all? Uh not really. But before everything kind of went down in the world, we would go to that side of the world a fair amount. My husband is originally from Malaysia, so I am no stranger to very long plane trips. And we used to have family who lived in Australia. So your country's lovely and mm. uh, is one of my favorite places to have visited.
0: Yeah, well, hopefully it's not too long and we can all visit each other again.
1: Yeah, yeah I'd love that.
0: Yeah. So why don't we start with an introduction and then we can get into what we're going to chat about today, which I'm super excited about because it's on the nerdy side of things. And my listeners will know that I do like to nerd out and kind of simplify some of those more complex concepts for them. And I think that's what we're going to try and do today. So yeah, why don't you introduce yourself?
1: Okay. And I have to say, I'm really excited to nerd out with you. And I also am with you where it's like, I really like to try and make things that often are talked about in a way that really flies right over people's heads and see like, how can we break this down and really make it easy to understand? And what I do and a bit about me is you and I are in similar realms. I help women in e-commerce mainly scale their sales and I do it through leveraged actions that pay dividends long after they've done them. And what I mean by that is leveraged activities like website conversion work emails, email marketing, copywriting. And I teach people both in group programs and one-on-one clients. And I think one way you could look at the work I do is I'm kind of a customer advocate. So I will help e-commerce founders shift their thinking and they use like tactical empathy. I teach them this and to see like their marketing efforts through their customers' eyes because when they do that, and when they can start to speak the language that their customer needs to hear or make changes that their customer needs to make things easy, everything starts to shift. And so it's that challenge of getting away to think from thinking about it, of my products, my business. Of course it is, but we really need to think about what's in it for our customer and how do we start from there? And I come from a writing and design background, and I merge those two together in this customer centric framework. And that's kind of me in a nutshell.
0: I love it. Yes, very similar to me. And that's fantastic that you're helping women as well. And I think especially since COVID on two parts, we've seen an explosion of women doing their own thing, starting e-commerce businesses, chasing dreams, and then also touching on what you said about being customer centric. You know, COVID has as well forced all businesses, large and small, to think about what's happening on the consumer's end end of things? You know, what's happening on their world? How fast do they need it? You know, what are they struggling with? Rather than, you know, where we were maybe, I don't know, a few years ago, 10 years ago, whereas there was a big flashy brands and it was just about, you know, selling and pumping it out. And it's the reverse now. I think that the women growing businesses, they've got the, they're holding all the cards. And if if they can start getting them to do, you know, more smarter marketing, like you and I obviously talk about, and they're going to get bigger bang for their time and money and investment.
1: 100%. And I think we have reached a point because of the explosion in the last year, especially of new people into e-commerce. You have to do this in your marketing if you want to rise above the noise. Consumers right now have so much noise around them and they kind of have gotten like, immune to certain types of messaging. They're getting tired of being advertised to, right? Mm -hmm. They are looking for brands that create a connection. And I think that's the kind of thing that someone listening will hear and at times maybe roll their eyes over because it just sounds like one of those cliche talking points. But really the work that you and I both do is like, what does that look like tangibly? How do we create a connection with our customer? It's all fine and well to say that, but what are the brass tacks things that we need to do in our marketing? and in our business so that that customer feels like I want to be in relationship with this brand because they're tired of being in relationship with the bigger brands. Like it's, they're kind of missing the mark and they are really seeking out brands that meet either their values or maybe are a smaller business that they want to support. So let's capitalize on that. Let's meet the customer with what she wants and Mm. what she's asking for.
0: Totally. And it is much, much easier than you might think especially when we're looking at things like email marketing and copywriting a lot of the time it's just thinking literally what is their problem what are they going through right now what are the words that they're using and thankfully that kind of stuff is easy to come across you don't need big agencies or you know $10,000 research projects you can just go and read your reviews check out what they're saying in facebook groups and start using that to create a more authentic connection in You know, marketing speak (laughs) with your audience.
1: Yeah, you're doing the air quotes, but it's so true. Like one of my favorites, you mentioned a couple. I really love to help people learn how to use Reddit and go to subreddits and search for certain things. And you can go right in there and see exactly the language people use, like the everyday language they're using to describe a problem or a pain or a desire. And like, I, I recommended to one of the ladies in my group program yesterday, like go to this forum called ask women over 30, that's the name of it. And I wanted her to go search for the term aging and just go read the threads. How are the women in this group talking about aging? What frustrates them? What annoys them um, about marketing? What annoys them culturally? What annoys them about themselves? You can go take that language, you know, and tweak it a bit. Right. And then use that in your headlines, in your copy, in mm. your marketing. And like you said, customer reviews, they are such a goldmine. Oh my they goodness, are. yes. Yeah,
0: yes. And then exactly, I heard an awesome quote on a podcast recently. It was a copywriter and she said, I'm not a copywriter, I'm a copy and paster, which I just thought was so cool because really copywriters, if you're working with a good one, they'll ask you about a gazillion, bazillion questions. Then they'll do some research and then they'll lift all the the data and the information of what you've said or what they've found. And like you say, tweak it. And that's where headlines come from, the mouths of the people who are explaining their problem.
1: Yeah. And I think you just touched upon something that speaks to why I got into this work. My background from long ago at university is in journalism. And we're taught to just ask tons and tons of questions. It's my nature to ask a lot of questions. Yeah. And when you're willing to get curious, like it, as a a business owner and just get really curious about your customers and ask questions and dig. You can do so much of this marketing yourself.
0: Yes, that is true. That is true and and put on that curiosity hat because I think we're under so much pressure. I know my a lot of my clients and my students feel like this pressure to sell, but if and they feel overwhelmed by marketing, but if we can be a little bit more curious about it and have a little bit more fun and test things out, it kind of takes off that Oh my God, everything has to be perfect, everything has to be right, everything has to work because it's it's not all gonna work all the time. So yeah, asking questions, getting curious, seeing what
1: works. I really like what you just said too, because it does take that edge off, like you described, Mm. where we sometimes get so fixated on that one end goal of making the sale Mm. that our businesses can no longer become fun or light us up. I mean, there's always going to be times in a business where we're kind of grumpy about it, but it can be, really become a slog but if you bring curiosity back into it i have seen it with my clients and with other people where it, it ignites it reignites their passion for their business again when they start to dig into what their clients have told them in the past or their customers have and then they realize this is why i got into this it's like being able to help people in this way this, giving them these outcomes and suddenly they're all lit up again and it's not just about making the sale it's about like how do i how do i really like meet my customers' needs and speak in a way that's going to resonate with them. And I think it's really cool when those ahas and light bulbs happen.
0: Yeah. And it's when they start becoming confident in themselves. They're like, okay, I can do this. And that's all we really, you know, because we both work with women. That's a lot of the time where the magic happens. Like when a woman feels supported, she really starts to thrive. And if she can feel confident in herself now, then that's when the, you know, their leaps and bounds really happen.
1: Mm, yeah. I love hearing that you see that too. And that mm. I, I'm curious if you see this where, well, I think a lot of people will come into the work they do with me and they think it's about you know, scaling their store. Yeah. Their, but they'll get into the work and it really becomes about, I feel so supported and that's yeah. the really meaningful thing for them. And that's why I love working with women. Not that men don't have this, but I noticed that women in particular will just, they will take off when they have the right support system and mentorship and peers around them.
0: Yes. I often find that they come to me saying, you know, I want more sales. I've got to scale, but actually when we pull back the layers a little bit, there is a lot more work to do than they're probably aware of before they even get near scaling. And it's not that that's anything bad. Or they've done anything wrong. It's that they may be, you know, cause we're bombarded with messages about scaling, aren't we? And, you know, go at, you know, the six-figure blueprint and all that hoo-ha. But there's so much work to be done on the foundations and the work that you and I do, which is doing the important stuff first that has that longevity for them. And that's, I guess, what we wanted to talk about today. So some of the things that you do with the ladies that you work with, so your expertise is really around website conversion optimization. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yep. That's, uh, and under that umbrella also falls like the copywriting and messaging and the emails as well, but that's my primary wheelhouse. And it's, I think that you had a guest recently who talked about this and I'm curious how mine will differ, but it's when we, people come to our websites, there are a lot of things that will stand in the way of them being able to easily navigate or easily execute an action that we want them to take. Often we as website owners will get in our own way. We think that we want them to do X, but we don't realize that all the noise that we're putting on our website is actually preventing X from happening. And website conversion optimization starts to use these these questions, this curiosity and ask, all right, well, if my goal is on this page, I want people to click through to the next page. Okay. What are the things standing in the way to make that?" of that happening? And what are the things I need to do to like boost that up and mm. increase the chances of that happening? And the other things is like, how do we make this a really excellent experience for the people who are on our site? And I'll give you an example. There's this thing that I see on a lot of websites that just grates my cheese and it's called a spin to win wheel. And people okay. you'll, <laughs> have you seen yeah. what I talk about? It's yes. like spin this and you'll get your discount. Yes. What often happens? Is we'll land on the homepage. That thing pops right up. And it's like, I'm driving on a road. I have a destination. And you have just put a roadblock in front of me. I'm annoyed. I'm annoyed at this roadblock. That's not what I want there. So you are coming out of the gate, annoying and frustrating me. But the intent of the website owner or the business owner, they're thinking, well, this will be exciting. They're going to want a discount. This will entice them to buy if I give them a discount. Not thinking about the roadblock that they're putting up. And their discounts do entice people to buy, but there's other ways to handle that, that Mm -hmm. don't cause that frustration right out of the gate. Like that's just one small, simple example. There are thousands of these.
0: Yeah. What do you think about your standard pop-up though? Like your sort of like subscribe to our club to get X, Y, and Z. Does that grate your cheese as well?
1: man, I have such mixed feelings about this and I'd love to know what you think too, but data shows us they're effective. Okay. I personally am, I don't want to say I'm not a fan across the board. Mm -hmm. What I'm not a fan of is very similar to what I just described with the spin to wind wheel, where I've just gotten on your website and you aren't even giving me a hot minute before you're throwing your pop over on me. And I like to be a little more thoughtful about this. Could we maybe give people in the realm of 30 to 45 seconds to look around, to get oriented? Mm -hmm. And then either you can either base it on time or you can also do it depending on, you know, there's some coding and stuff involved, but you can do it like, let's say they're around two thirds of the way down the page. Or we know they're they're planning to exit the page. You know, there's yeah. there's these triggering events, these behavioral events that to me make much more sense. And I like to see a popover when in those contexts rather than let's throw it up and we're basically asking someone to go to bed with us on the first mm. date, rather than mm. like give them a little bit of time to get to know us. But what do you think, Lisa? What's your take on them?
0: Yeah, so I, I'm a fan of pop-ups. And like you say, I always recommend. If we're starting out with a client or a student, I'm recommending, you know, delay it maybe 30 seconds or have it on the second page and also do an exit intent, which is when they're going to leave the browser and the pop-up comes up with a specific offer to subscribe. I also like embedding an extra opt-in into the home page, which offers potentially something else, like a deeper dive into a guide or a how-to or something like that. So you're sort of hedging your bets because there's there are there will be people who will close that box straight away. But once they get more familiar with your site and take a little look around, they like what they see, then they might choose to opt in in a different way. And it's funny, we've I've just completed a module on website and Conversion rate optimization, all that kind of stuff with my students. And there were so many light bulb moments around these little things that they seem like little things to us. But yeah, to the average small business owner, it's they're big things and they're big realizations. So yeah, but it can make a massive difference. And, you know, like you, I'm a big fan of email marketing. So whatever gets their list bigger you know, day by day, I'm a fan of, but yeah, you have to tread carefully around some of those things. I don't think I've ever got a client to do a a spin wheel, although I have heard they do work well with the right type of brand, like a more fun kind of irreverent brand. Like you wouldn't stick that on like a classy watch or handbag brand.
1: Yeah. Then you gave this amazing example of context when it came to the spin to win wheel, where we need to think about our brand, our customers. And if you are in the United States, we have this clothing store called Forever 21, mm. and they're for the really young crowd. So they might it might make more sense for them to have the spin to win wheel, and it might be more effective than for coach purses or something or Dior. So we have to always think about what is our brand standards? Are we a high-end luxury brand? Does a spin to win wheel make sense in that context? Are we a fun brand? We're relatively inexpensive. We have a young crowd. Maybe it does then.
0: Yes, the context, thinking about your consumer, but also thinking about when was the last time you maybe used your website as the customer? When was the last time you went and subscribed to your email list? Some of my students did this the other day, I think after the website module, you know, went and subscribed and we figured out that the thank you page after they entered their email address was completely different from the message that was in the opt-in window. So, you know, they're an established business. So how that may look to a customer can be quite damaging. So go and buy a product yourself, see the email flow experience after you buy, see how it feels. Yeah. And that's another easy way to experience or think about your customer rather than yeah, thinking about the sale.
1: Yes. And you could take that a step further. Like, I love your idea of you as the brand owner, go through it and buy your own product, sign up for your own email list. You could also bring in someone like, say, your mom yeah. and sit her in front of your computer. Do not coach her at all. Say, mom, I want you to buy a product. Here's your coupon code. So you can check, like, we'll check out so you don't have to pay for it. Watch her. Do not and, and if she's turns to you and she asks, like, I don't understand, you have a key, clue there that there's something wrong, that mm-hmm. maybe she's stuck and she might not be the only one who is. And then again, like tr- try very hard not to coach her. Your job is to observe and see like, where does she get stuck? Where do three things slow down? And then when she's done and she's done the whole thing, say, mom, were there any parts of that that frustrated you or... And if, if it's your, maybe your mom, isn't the best idea here. Maybe if someone you trust to tell you the truth, cause your mom might want to protect you, but <laughs> someone who will be forthright with you. Yeah. I was really frustrated when I got to this part.
0: Yeah. You know, who would be honest, probably a husband or a partner. They give yes. it to you straight. <laughs> there you go. And also do the same thing on mobile because it's easy to look at desktop, but obviously more people are, are going to be browsing via mobile. And that's kind of an easy one to forget. And also around design elements, like looking, can you find the menu? Can you find the cart? Can you find, you know, click down boxes, all that kind of stuff is super important to check on, on mobile. So this kind of is getting to the, one of your topics that I noticed on your website, when I was doing some research about you, you have this fabulous line saying pretty doesn't equal sales or pretty doesn't equal profit when it comes to websites. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yes. I think what I say might be pretty doesn't sell. Pretty doesn't sell. Yeah. But I I like pretty doesn't equal profit. I could use that one too, if I'm not already. (laughs) (laughs) I can't remember what's on my own website. Yeah. I think I used that on one of my slides the other day. Mm -hmm. Pretty doesn't equal profit. Yeah. It's a good one. Yeah. There were many years where my work was primarily as a website designer and developer. And I remember there were many times and this is through say around 2008 to 10 12 those that time period where i would feel like i didn't quite have the chops as a designer because i would go see all these really lovely beautiful websites but i started examining that a bit more and really looking into this idea of is that really in service to like the goals that they have for this website making a sale, or in the case of service-based businesses, like getting a new lead, or even in econ, like getting a lead in your email list. And what I found is there is this trend right now. There was a trend then, and it's even around now, where a lot of people want a very chic, couture-looking website. You know, they want that modern nudes-looking color, or all the pinks and pastels. You know what I'm talking about, right? These Mm -hmm. are a dime a dozen. And what's happening is yes, they're beautiful. And you'll go on the site and the buy button or the shop button is not differentiated in color, like as a, just a small example than anything else in the design. And so this is what I mean by pretty doesn't sell because sometimes we have to be make, willing to make sacrifices with the design to get people to do what we want so that might be a glaringly obvious buy now button with a color that completely disrupts your beautiful modern nudes design but do yeah. you want people to to buy from you or is it more important to you that you know your design looks that way or another example and you've probably seen this too lisa is there'll be all these graphical elements you know they'll be Animated things or parallelics, which is where as you're scrolling, one layer is kind of hovering over another, you know, there's these bells and whistles and all of those things are causing distractions and the best performing e-commerce sites that I've seen and that I know of are actually extraordinarily minimal. Yeah, They often all look the same and the differentiation will come in something like, say you've got your homepage and that top graphical image. Well, there's where you put in some of your branding, for example, but you don't want all these other pretty graphical elements because all they are is visual distraction from your products, from the buy button, from getting people to make that buying decision.
0: Yeah, totally. And, you know, with the bells and whistles, I'm kind of, and I'm going to say I am anti bells and whistles because it's simple is, is always the best approach you don't you know people have le- not much time they're overwhelmed they want information that's easy to read they want they actually want to make a purchase pretty quickly you'd be surprised you know that listeners not you sorry that um you know they don't necessarily want to spend ages pouring over a website they just want to kind of trust someone make a decision and be on their way and like you say if you're putting those bells and whistles in their way it is distracting them it's going to take longer they're going to be like Ugh. You know, abandon their cart or go find someone else, Google it again. And I think the same for email as well, because I see women kind of getting stuck. They're stopping not sending emails because they're looking at other people's campaigns and going, oh my gosh, it's so beautiful. It's got all these graphic design elements. It's got amazing photography. And actually you could just, you know, have a text-based email and it will be just as great, you know, t- telling a story or talking about yourself or five things that you didn't know about this product and it will convert as well. so I'd like that you reference the, the bells and whistles because I often encourage people don't worry about them
1: yeah and that's actually a big sigh of relief because they can be very complicated to put on yeah. to maintain they're going to slow down your site and believe us believe like both Lisa and I when we' say, <laughs> simple is the, the path to selling. And you're absolutely right about the emails too. Uh, the text email. I was just finishing up a training before we got on this podcast together about here. Here's some relief for you. You do not need that fancy email that takes five hours to design yes. because 50% of your market isn't going to see it because it's going to create deliverability problems, or they don't have images turned on, or this is the worst one it looks to them like an ad and no one wants to read an ad. They Mm. want to read a letter from a human being. And that's what Mm. an email will do, a text-based one.
0: Yeah, totally. Like I teach in email in in my current program as well. And the examples of emails that I remember are always text-based, which is really interesting. Like, cause there's thousands of examples of beautiful imagery, but it's the story that Often resonates and that really simple thank you note that feels like it was written just for you from the founder, you know, when you made that purchase.
1: Mm, I love thank you notes. I was just yeah. helping a client the other day with one and I said, Look, this is such an opportunity for us to create a voice of your brand. She has a, a business where she sells products to people in the equestrian community. And I said, we're going to bring in your horse. His name is Ham. And Ham is going to be a character in the story. And the email is going to be, thank you from you and from Ham. And I said, your people are horse people. They're going to love this. Like, this is such an opportunity to make them smile. And if you make them smile, they're going to be like, they're going to lean in and say, I want more of this. I want more of this brand.
0: Yes. Have fun with your copy. And especially if you've got a horse named Ham. I mean, how how much fun (laughs) could you have with that?
1: I know it's the best horse name ever. I'm like, you need to take ham and just go ham with this.
0: (laughs) Go hard with ham. Okay. So the other thing I wanted to chat to you about is you really recommend when you're running a Facebook ad campaign to factor in sending your customers to a specific landing page, as opposed to a homepage or even just a standard product page. Could you talk us through that a little bit? Because I know it's it, it's something that when, when I worked in big corporates, we were doing things like this all the time. You know, you build a specific campaign landing page for an event we were selling and you'd put all the information there rather than sending them to the website, to the homepage. But it's not something that I see a lot of small to growing businesses do, even large businesses. So could you yeah, tell us a little bit the thought process behind that?
1: Yes. So we talked a little earlier about context. And let's think in particular, I mean, there's many different kinds of ads you can run. You can run brand awareness ads that aren't about a specific product. And in that case, in that kind of ad, I could see an argument to be made to send them to your homepage. Understand, you will probably not get a successful conversion. It's more like, let's start to get to know each other. But where the problem comes into play, and what I see a lot is you're advertising your moisturizing cream. You know, you've developed this amazing cream, your ad is about the cream, your ad copy, your ad image, and then you send them to your homepage. And what is happening? They've gone from the context of this cream. That's the very narrow focus that you told them in the ad. And you're sending them to a page that has a very broad focus. The homepage has 80 million things going on. Even when you do it well, it's a page that's doing so much heavy lifting. We are asking a lot of the homepage. And what happens is we're also asking a lot of our customer. When we sent her there, we're basically telling her, you figure it out. I know you yeah. came here about a cream, but hey, good luck to you. Have fun yeah. on the homepage. Right? So if you do instead a scenario, and there's a couple of ways you can do that. Let's talk first about the optimized landing page. And then we can talk about what you could do if you don't have one yet. Yeah. Yeah. So what I like to do, and this is a little bit more sophisticated of a technique. You need, you need some tools at your disposal to do this, but I love the technique where you have the ad, we're going to use this moisturizing cream example. The page that they go and land on is not sitting on your normal website. It's like, you know, it's something maybe you built in lead pages or one Mm -hmm. of those types of things or WordPress. You can, you can also do these on Shopify if you have the right apps to help you. And at the top, there is no navigation to all your stuff. There's no link back to the homepage. And Instead of it looking like your normal product page, the approach I really like is it hooks people with this really emotional, quick hook and a picture with maybe a human element in it. So it's not just a picture of this moisturizing cream, perhaps it's the cream and it depends on your target market, right? But Mm -hmm. let's say your target market were women in their age fifties. Well, maybe you Mm would show two different women. Oh, a woman in her sixties and a woman in her Mm thirties and they have beautiful glowing skin then the whole page is designed to tell a story about that one product and only that product. And you're going to tell them the benefits of it, how it will help change your life. You're going to use a lot of headlines. You're going to, you're not going to do things like cross up. You're not going to say, by the way, we've got these other products for you. The sole goal of this page is to get them to hit add to cart. Mm-hmm. And like, it's a very convert strictly conversion event based yeah. page And the focus is so narrow there's Mm -hmm. nothing else distracting them from this journey. And you do things also on this page, like social credibility. I mean, you'd want to do this in your normal product pages, but you might have testimonials that are bigger. Like you take three of them and you really highlight them with a person's picture and you have a headline with that testimonial. Or if you've had media exposure, you put those on there, you do all these things. And it's like this whole psychological journey you take people through.
0: Does that make
1: sense?
0: Yeah, totally. And I've got lots of skincare clients and they'll be very pleased that you're using that as (laughs) an example today. And I really love with things when you're going deep about and having that human element, tell the transformational story. So let's say if they've got acne, you know, I go to the darkest spot that they were, you know, I couldn't leave the house because I was so um, mortified about my skin. I'd tried everything and then I found this product and now I feel like this. So you're showing that whole, yeah, customer experience before, during, and after. And you could, if you're going hard on this landing page, maybe even do a video, like a skin story, this video testimonial. And I, I love that. And I think it would be great for if you've got, you know, hero product categories, because I know my listeners will probably thinking, okay, so how would I do that? And when would I create a campaign page? Where does that fit in my Facebook ads funnel? Do you see that like at the top or middle or bottom where, where would you?
1: That one's a tougher one, mainly because I'm not completely astute on like the art and science of timing Mm. with Facebook ads. I have seen these though work even cold and this keep in mind, Mm. this was a couple of years ago. And so we're in a very, we're in a really weird and wild west right now with ads, but I think it can work at different points in the funnel. And it depends on how well the page is like doing the selling for you. But one of the things you brought up and I think will help people is you like, you want to really dig into that pain. And Mm -hmm. one of the things you want to do is at the top of the page. So that very first, like above the fold area, you need a headline that is arresting that stops people in their tracks. And so an example of a bad headline would be unique women's clothing. Okay, that could describe that's people are going to know pride out. Instead, you know, you want maybe something that's like I'll I'll give you an example I did for a client. Never drink another unhealthy coffee again. When you have a headline like that, it makes people go, well, what is wrong with my coffee? Right? Like you've pulled them in and like provoked their curiosity. But there's many ways to attack this headline, but you need to be super specific and going mm-hmm. back to something you said, Lisa, you could go And look at some of your customer reviews to help you find the language for that headline that really arrests them.
0: Yes. There's a really well-known copywriter here in Australia, Kate Toon, and she describes a Batman and Robin headline. So Batman comes out with like a big punch, like a big whack in the face and Robin kind of holds it up. So you might say, stop wasting time and money on face cream that's making your skin unhealthy, let's just say. And then the Robin part of it comes in with maybe like the solution or proof point that kind of holds it up. So I'm a big fan with starting, starting a headline, grabbing attention with the problem because our brains are hardwired to look for problems or danger. And that's what they're going to look for fine straight away.
1: Yeah. And what I like about this technique that you're talking about is I think another spin on it could be almost like good cop, bad cop. So yeah. Yes, You're coming out with the problem, but we don't have to keep people in that pain. And I'm actually not a fan of like, oh, let's just poke the pain points over and over. That's old school marketing. And I think the new way that works really well is here's your problem. We're going to bring it to your attention because you Mm. have to. And now Robin or the good cop comes in is like, but there is hope. You know, yes. like yeah this doesn't have to be this way and that's like yeah. painting this possibility the solution so it's really important and this is what empathy does is to tell people you aren't alone yeah. there is help it's not your fault those kinds of things
0: yeah 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 you've got this problem you know you're aware of it now let's find the solution to it yeah I think another I re- I'm reading so many books at the moment. It's kind of on copywriting specifically, on it's a, a roller coaster effect. So you might start with problem or a pain point, and then you might go down to the solution. And then you might reference the pain and the problem again and go back down to the solution. So it's not, you know, hammering them over the head. We're getting very tactical and technical in this chat. I
1: love it. <laughs> I know. It's so much fun. I'm like, yeah, we should just like talk over coffee. This is fun. Yeah. <laughs> we can swap tricks. <laughs> uh, well,
0: it has been so lovely chatting with you. Is there anything else that we, that you wanted to
1: cover before we sign off? One thing I I don't want to leave people hanging because I think I tease like, all right, if you can't or don't want to make this really optimized page right now, what could you do instead? Mm
0: -hmm. So we
1: talked about the inherent problem of if you've got an ad about a specific product, sending them to the homepage, it's, or even a category page, that's just crazy. But in lieu of making the kind of page Lisa and I just talked about, send them to That specific products page. That's at least that more direct path. It's a hybrid solution. I would love it if listeners who have been running ads for products, sending them to the homepage, went and tried this. Just send them to the product page and report and don't change anything else in your campaign. Just make that one URL change. Report back. Like let me and Lisa know what happens because I'm super curious. And that's what I recommend you do. Just start get curious. Like what happens to your campaigns when you make this change?
0: Mm, yeah, definitely. And while we're talking about product pages, put more effort into them because oh, yeah. <laughs> it's
1: this the is, most important
0: page on your website. It is. This is where the, it's crunch time, the sale happens. So if you've got, you know, a couple of lines of copy and that's it, you're not doing enough. So I hate to add more things to your plate, but product pages <laughs> are, are so important. And like you say, with your clients and students, It's the longevity work, you know, yes, it's going to take you a little bit longer, but put the effort in now and you'll see the return on investment long-term again and again.
1: Exactly. Yes.
0: Beautiful. Okay.
1: Fabulous. Thank you
0: so much, Reese. I have loved nerding out with you and I hope listeners have taken away some little tricks and be able to optimize their website to get more sales longer
1: term. I adored this conversation with you. It was so much fun. I just love how we just kind of built on one another and I, if it's okay with you, Lisa, I have a free gift for your audience. Would that be all right? It just yeah. will help them a little bit more with their website.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: All right. So it's called 10 common website mistakes that are losing you sales and how to fix them fast. So don't worry. Like I've got the, both the problem and the solution, like we talked about, and you can grab that over on my website at designbyreese.com forward slash fixes f-i-x-e-s and I would love it if after you go and grab that reply to the email say hi to me I'm very chatty I reply to every email I receive
0: fabulous thank you so much thank you Lisa this was amazing Thank you so much for joining me this week. Today's episode was brought to you by my new e-commerce marketing course for women called Ecom Grow Strong. Head to my website at lisaburn.com.au to learn more and add your name to the wait list for round two, which is starting in August. And don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes and I would love you to leave me a rating and review.
1: Thanks so much and see you next week.